0: We're going to get started. So what is fear? For those of you that are watching us by live stream, we want to welcome you. We love you. You could be doing anything you wanted this morning, but you're watching us and we are very honored by that. We want to give all of our Elevate family a virtual hug and a virtual high five. I want to bless you with that. Uh, our director of shall we say, our ministry director of, of of affairs has told me. Some people are wondering how they give, so there's a couple of ways that you can give. You can go online, com and there should be a donate button, and you can give through PayPal. Instructions are pretty simple. And then also, she's had some people that were asking if they could mail it in. You can mail it in. Again, if you want the information, you can go on uh, Elevate Miami Church's website, 2801 Southwest. 31st Avenue, Miami, Florida, 33133. That's right. So there we are. It's our Father's business. We appreciate your faithfulness during this time. Um, so, fear, what is fear? We're talking about faith. We're talking about fear. Fear is a distressing emotion of something that hasn't happened yet. And there's a lot of fear in our world today, if you haven't noticed. And the questions happen where, what do you do when life is beyond your control? What do you do when everything that you have been working on stops working? What do you do when everything you've depended upon can no longer be depended upon? And what happens in times of fear and these times of crisis that come upon our land and upon our lives, tensions rise, right? And people lose sleep, can't sleep, get tense. Get, everybody gets a little testy because no one knows What's going to happen? If we're Christians, we have a worldview that tells us that this type of thing is, is a normalcy of our lives. What the Bible predicts is the coming age. Jesus is coming back. He will establish his kingdom. Things will not always stay the way that they are. And the Bible tells us that wave upon wave of calamity will come upon the earth because it's what's bringing forth A kingdom. Those waves will get closer together, and those waves will get more and more intense as the hour draws near. Now, is this the hour? This isn't the hour, but this definitely is a wave. It's like a contraction, like a woman giving birth. She contracts false contractions. Anybody giving birth here? You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) It's a wave of contractions. This is a wave of contractions. We've never seen something quite like this. It's not necessarily the virus, it's not necessarily, it's the circumstances surrounding the virus that are the most distressing. The whole world is swaying with this. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 21, Jesus says, On the earth there will be the distress of nations and perplexity. The seas will heave and the waves will roar and men's hearts will fail them from fear and uncertainty of the things that are to come. Right now, what, this, what the scripture is telling us is there's going to be a distress upon nations. There's going to be a perplexity of nations. This is all predicted. This isn't the moment of Jesus' return. I'm not saying that, but this is something, this is a wave that's going to continue. These waves are going, are going to happen again. And there's going to be distress upon nations and perplexities of nations, which means the nations of the world will face problems that they have no answer to. Men's hearts will fail them for fear, and they will be uncertain of the things that are coming upon the earth. Right now, what's the collateral damage of the coronavirus? I guarantee you people are having heart attacks because of this. Hypertension is probably off the chart right now. It's a lot of calamity, and there's a lot of uh, uh, collateral damage that surrounds this, this thing. The whole world is shut down. What is the word to God's people? So, we have two different classes of people in the world. This is how the Lord sees the earth His sons and daughters, and everybody else. <laughs> Say, I don't like it. That's not fair. There's nothing fair about favor. Nothing fair about favor. The bread is for the children. God loves His sons and daughters. They're the apple of His eye. There's no equal standard in God's eye. So, God has a word to His people, God has a word to His church in this hour. And He tells us, Have no fear. Have no fear. Proverbs 3.25. Have no fear of the sudden disaster or ruin that overtakes the unrighteous. Why? Because we're not unrighteous. It's not about smoking, drinking, or chewing, or hanging out with those that are doing. It's about Jesus Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He loves you, you're in his kingdom, you're never going to be more righteous than you are right now. If you receive Jesus in your heart and have the blood imparted over you and the Holy Spirit is gifted to you, you will never be more righteous than you are right now. But the Bible says that sudden disaster will overtake the unrighteous. And he tells you not to fear. We're not unrighteous. There's nothing to fear, Christian. For the Lord will be at your side and he will keep your foot from being trapped. This is an absolute fact. This is a promise. But we have to not fear. We have to have faith. What does faith look like? We're going to talk about that. John 16, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he says to them, I tell you these things so that you may have peace. Why do we need peace? <laughs> because he tells us why. In this world, you're going to have trouble. Trouble in the city. Trouble in the country. Trouble on this way, trouble on that way, trouble in the home, trouble in the marketplace. The Lord says, I'm telling you these things so that you may have peace. I'm letting you know what's going to happen beforehand. I'm letting you know that I'm with you. I'm letting you know that you have my spirit. I'm letting you know where your power lies. I'm letting you know these things. Why? Because in this world, you're going to have trouble. And if you don't know who you are, you're going to fall. And if you don't know where your power lies, you're going to be lost. He says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Where should we be looking? Should we be looking to Washington, D.C., Christian? Should we be looking to the governments of the earth? Should we be looking to science? Let's look to science. Yes, they have the answers. I think not. We're to look to Jesus. Science has not overcome the world. If anything, their deficiency is being clearly exposed. They don't know what they're doing. If anything, our governments are being clearly exposed. They don't know what they're doing. But Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. Somebody says, we don't know what the future holds. Yes, but we know who holds the future. (laughs) This coronavirus wears a crown. Yep, but so does Jesus. We don't bow to the crown of the coronavirus. There's one king who wears the crown, as far as I'm concerned, and his name is Jesus. And my knee bows to no other. 1 John 5, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Are you born of God, Christian? Are you born again? If you're born of God, you have already overcome the world, which means you're not of this world. What takes place in this world does not need to take place in your life because you are not of this world. There is no virus in heaven. You are in the world, but you are not of it. You are of his kingdom. My covenants lie with his world, not in this one. There's no virus in this world. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's no virus in the temple of God. There'll be no virus in me. How big's your faith? That's the question. This is the victory that overcomes the world. So we overcome the world. And what does that victory look like? It looks like one word. It's called faith. Where's your faith? Whose report are you going to believe? The Bible says you will pass through the waters and they will not overtake you. You will go through the fires and they will not burn you. That's what Jesus says. The culture says these waters are coming over you. Oh, we're all going down. Who told you that? Who told you that I believe God is looking for a Joshua and a Caleb generation in this hour who say we can take the land because God is with us who say no evil will befall us because God is with us who know who they are. We're sons and daughters. We are not common yet. The reaction of the believer in this hour is anything but uncommon. We parrot the same words, we react the same things, we hide in our beds, we put blankets over our head. Fear, fear, Run for your lives. Run for your lives. Christians are no different than the world, because we don't know who we are, and we don't know who He is. We don't know the power that's been given to us. Jesus told the Pharisees, "You are ignorant of the word of God, and you're ignorant of the power of God. We have Sadducees in our churches. They don't know the word and they don't know his power. But well, we placate it. We wink at it. We pretend like we do. We'll demonstrate it. Demonstrate it. Paul told the Corinthian church, I did not come to you with cunning words. I came to you with demonstration and power. This is an opportunity to do demonstration and power. Well, Pastor, we just got to be safe, you know. Be safe. If you're at risk, be safe. If you're freaked out, be safe. But do not criticize those who stand in faith. Do not point fingers or throw stones at God's prophets who stand in faith. Do no such thing. Do not partner with the spirit of the age. Jesus demands a response of faith no matter the circumstances. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Is that a poem? For they that come to him must believe that he is. And he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Well, we got to have wisdom. Wisdom is found in the Spirit. Wisdom is found in Jesus Christ. Wisdom is not found in the earth. Wisdom is at the right hand of God, the Bible says. What kind of wisdom are we looking for? Man's wisdom, cultural wisdom, or heavenly wisdom? We have to confront these questions. We need more than wisdom in this hour. We need revelation. We need an ability to see. We need a revealed word. We need a revealed idea, a revealed concept. James is a great book of instruction for times of trial. (laughs) In the book of James, my least favorite verse of all time, but I quote it and I try to apply it to my life as often as I can. Jesus says, my brothers and sisters, (laughs) you know the verse, and some of you are gripping down because here it comes. When you fall into various trials, rejoice. What is God asking us in this trial? Rejoice. Rejoice. What should our message be? Rejoice. How should we reflect to our neighbors? Rejoice. Be assured that the testing of your faith, which is through experience, will produce endurance. That endurance will lead to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let the endurance have its perfect result and, do not, and let it do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing in your faith. If any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through the decisions or the circumstances, he is to ask our benevolent God who gives to every one of us generously without rebuke, Or without blame. God will give you wisdom if you ask him. And he is not even going to second guess you. And it will be given to him. But you must ask for wisdom in faith. There's our word again. Faith. Not doubting. God's willingness to help. For the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea. That is blown about and tossed by every wind. For such a person ought to think they expect to receive nothing from the Lord. For they are double minded. Unstable in all their ways. That is, in every way that they think, feel, or act. When trouble comes, what is God telling us to do? He's telling us to rejoice. Rejoice, what does that mean? It's the word rejoice. You say, I don't have any joy, pastor. That's why the word re is there. Go find it. Go find it. It's telling you, go get joy. Where's joy? Remember the joy of your salvation. There's one. Can we rejoice in that? Can we rejoice that God is for us and not against us? That no weapon formed against us will prosper? Can we rejoice in that? Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Can we rejoice in the fact that what the world seeks in, the the believer walks upon? Peter walked on the sea by faith. By faith. The world can sink in in this flood, but we will not. We will not. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have to take our rightful place. We have to demonstrate who we are. We are not of this world. The pressure on the Christian is to be like everybody else. Good luck. As for me in my house. Joy is an inward knowing and centered in peace. Available only in the Holy Spirit. Where do you get joy? Joy is in the Spirit. So if you don't know the Holy Spirit, you're not going to have joy. So how do I rejoy? Just get in the Holy Spirit and joy comes to you. Enter into the presence of the Lord. Let his spirit come into you and move through you. Who is yours by right of inheritance. The spirit of God belongs to every believer. Don't shut him out. We we treat him like crazy Uncle Bill. We put him in a corner. He's there. We just don't really acknowledge him much. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is the government of heaven come down. He's the power. He's the one who executes all that Jesus died for and manifests it into our world. That's who he is you neglect the Holy Spirit, you're not going to have joy. If you neglect the Holy Spirit, you're not going to have access to true wisdom. If you neglect the Holy Spirit, you without a doubt are not going to have revelation. Without a doubt. It's your choice to rejoice. Rejoicing is a choice. It's a choice. Nobody's going to do it for you. It's not going to come upon you like a Reader's Digest check. Here we are. Boom. Boom. Balloons and confetti at the door, here's joy. <laughs> Most people when joy came to their door, they'd slam the door in her face. They prefer misery over joy. We must rejoice. We have to go and find it. Find something to be happy about. In the book of Acts Pauls brought before King Agrippa, he's standing in chains and rags having been dragged out of a dungeon. And Paul looks at the king In rags and in chains. And he says, I think myself happy this day, King Agrippa. Is that your reaction? Do you think yourself happy? I think Christians would do a lot of good to themselves if they would just start to think themselves happy. We watch the news for five hours, but we can't open our Bibles for five minutes. The news has nothing good to say right now. They're in fear. You think they have the answers? You think that the broadcasters on whatever network you prefer, you think they have the answers for you? They don't. They don't. If anything, they like the crisis. If they can keep the crisis going, they can drive the ratings. Just the thought. Trouble comes to do what? It's your choice to rejoice. Trouble comes to test your faith. This word test is the word refine. Scripture tells us that Jesus sits as a refiner of silver and gold. He lets heat come into you. He, doesn't, he lets the fire come into his people because he wants to test their metal. Everything that is slag, that's what they call it. When a refiner melts, they smelt. And when they smelt the iron or they smelt the gold or they smelt the silver, all of the stuff that rises to the surface is the impurity and it's called slag. And they slag it off. So one of the things that this, this, this crisis is going to do is it's going to force all the impurities to, your sur- to the surface. It's going to test your faith. It is. And if the slag that comes up says your faith is weak, well, then you need, to, you need to do something about that. You need to address that. He tests us. He separates the impurities for our lives so that we can be gold and silver before him. Pure, silver, objects. Of his glory, objects of his testimony, Proverbs twenty four four ten. I've known this verse for a long time. I've quoted it to myself numerous times. This is a verse that encourages me every time it gets bad. And what is that verse? If you faint in the day of adversity, Kevin, your strength is weak. If you faint in the day of the trial, Christian, your faint your faith is weak. Your faith is weak. That's not a bad thing. It just means you need to look at that. Why is my strength weak? Why am I, what am I putting my trust in? Why is my faith and the weakness of my faith being exposed in this hour? What am I trusting in? Jesus didn't cause the coronavirus, but he'll use it. If you believe this coronavirus is from the Lord, you need to check your theology. Everything good and perfect Comes down from heaven from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow and turning. If it's not good and perfect, it didn't come from Jesus. Jesus came to to, to give life and that more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Good God, bad devil. Real simple. What Christians need to be doing in this hour is trying to find what right the enemy has to do this upon us. The enemy does nothing but by right. Christ exposes weakness. That's not a bad thing. The weakness in in our faith. Do you go to your emotions, or do you go to the Holy Spirit? Do you go to CNN, God forbid, or do you go to the Word of God? Do you go to all the counselors and the gurus and the scientists and all the doomsayers, or do you do? Do you go to the Spirit, Christian? What is the Lord speaking in this hour? They asked Jeremiah, "Is there a word?" And he said, "There is. There's a word. What's the word? It's hope. The word is hope. Hope unto Jesus, our hope. There's no hope without Jesus." But he is full of hope and he has plenty to spare. It doesn't run out. The weakness is in our emotions. Do we listen to fear instead of hope? Are you freaking out? (laughs) A lot of Christians freaking out. My phone's blown up. My emails are blown up. Stop freaking out, Christian. Anybody ever seen the movie, um, what is it, The Incredibles? Right? Right? And Elastic Girl starts crying because something's going on with her husband. And Edna Molds, the woman that does the, the suits, she starts smacking her around. You are elasti girl. Pull yourself together. <laughs> Christians need to go to the mirror and give themselves a few high karates. You are a son and daughter of the highest. Pull yourself together. You're the arbiter of another world. You are an heir of this world and the one to come. Spirit filled believer, pull yourself together. Pull it together, Christian. Well, get up the excuses. Stop using excuses to justify your cowardice. Stop using excuses to justify your lack of faith. Just confront your cowardice and confront your lack of faith and deal with it. But stop using excuses to hide it. That's a bitter pill, but it'll help you. Christians are used to battling an unseen enemy. This is what the Lord told me. Oh, but we can't see the virus. Oh, my gosh. Who are we? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Our weapons are not of this war. Our weapons are intercession. Our weapons are power. Our weapons are in the spirit. If anybody should be used to battling with an unseen devil or an unseen thing, it should be the believer. We deal with it all the time. Well, the virus is unseen. I don't know. So is the devil. So is every principality, power, might, and dominion. Unseen. Why are you freaked out? It is something you cannot see. Trials and troubles are not going away. Heaven is perfect. This world is not. So you better get used to it. You better beef it up because it's going to happen again. And if this knocks you down, what do you think will happen when true calamity comes over the earth? The Bible says it's going to be times such as the world has never known, nor will ever be. And this isn't it. So if you watch and you fold on this one, where are you going to be when that happens? We got to do business with ourselves. Stop making excuses. I've heard every excuse. I'm sick of the excuses. Pastors are the worst. Stop making excuses, pastor, for your cowardice. Stand your post. Do your job. Be found faithful. 1 Peter 4:12. Beloved, do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which has come upon you. Here we have the same thing. Peter's talking to the same thing, to, the same, to a different church, and he's saying, there's a trial that's on you, and it's fiery. Same idea, refining silver. Don't think it's strange that a trial has come. Don't think it's strange that this, fire, that this trial has a lot of heat attached to it. This is exactly what's supposed to happen. Don't look as this as something strange has happened to you. He gives the same instructions James does. It's a trial, it's a trial by fire. What are you supposed to do? And he says, rejoice. Rejoice. Find joy. If you don't, if you have fear in this hour, you can't see anything. You can't see anything but fear. Crisis exposes things. Weakness in our government. Weakness in our infrastructure. Our medical infrastructure is clearly exposed on this we don't have the means to deal with anything like that at all our medical infrastructure is wanting needs to be completely restructured just because the virus exposes weakness doesn't mean it's a bad thing this exposure on our infrastructure if we're if we're wise and we have a revelation we can use it to create a better infrastructure for the future It exposes the weakness of government, the weakness of infrastructure. It exposes the weakness of human intellect. And if you look around, nobody's got an answer. (laughs) What do we do? Everybody's just guessing. Just best guess. Best guess. I don't know if they flip a coin or they roll a dice or they pull something out of a hat. But everybody's guessing. Nobody has an answer here. Jesus has an answer. What is exposed in our lives? Some of the things we got to look at. We got to look at out of our own lives. Some of us are being exposed, and what's being revealed is that we are financially overextended, crickets. So what's happening here? This crisis is showing you that you don't have any reserves at all to endure any period of time of stress. You are financially overextended, or you are financially underfunded one or the other for most of us not all of us most people are overextended we got cell phones that can talk to satellites man brand new cars 22s we got the whole thing going on we're financially overstended we got every channel known to man we got every cable company cell phone but we can't give to jesus what's our problem what's our problem that's what you need. to extend. You, you, you can buy everything in the world financially, overextend yourself, and go debt, up to debt up to your eyeballs and go broke. But you can't give a dollar to Jesus. What's wrong with you? The prophet Habakkuk would say, consider your ways. <laughs> My wife would tell me to smile when I say that, so I'll smile. Where are your priorities are? Where's the deficiencies in our health? This is another thing that we need to confront. Guys, this is, this is really important. Viruses, one of the things the virus does is it attacks the cardiopulmonary area of your life. So it's going to, every single virus, including the flu, is going to attack your heart and your lungs in some way. And if we do not at this time realize that if, we're, if this is exposing us, we need to get our cardiovascular strength higher and we need to get our lung capacity higher. We need to stop whatever it is we're doing and realize if we've jeopardized our bodies or compromised our body, it's exposing weaknesses. People with pre-existing conditions, weak livers, fatty livers, toxified livers, the, the body cannot handle it. If you're somebody who's pre-diabetic, you need to deal with that. People with diabetes, liver issues, kidney issues, they're vulnerable to this. You need to change your lifestyle, and the time is now. <laughs> Sharon and I were talking, I'm like, man, I'm, you know... I'm getting in shape, man. I mean, I don't have to be buff or nothing, but I'm getting my cardiovascular up, and I'm getting my lung capacity up. doesn't mean we all got to walk around like bodybuilders, but the cardiovascular and the pulmonary, we've got to work on that. We've got to deal with certain things. Bad food, bad habits, bad environments. This is a, st- a statistic. 60% of all health-related problems are a result of chronic lifestyle choices. We commit suicide with a knife and a fork. But I don't like broccoli. Nobody does. Nobody does. There's a few people that do. Shelly's like, I love broccoli. I have a friend, he, he eats it raw right out of the bag. <laughs> There's a, it reminds me of a story of another guy. Guy had a heart attack. Pastor went to going out to dinner with a bunch of other guys, and they're all buying him lunch and they're buying him everything, and they're like, you're like, John, you want dessert? And he goes, No, I don't want dessert. And they go, John, you don't like dessert? He goes, Oh, I love dessert. He's like, I just like living more. (laughs) Some of us got to make that choice. You say, I love pizza, but do you like living more? (laughs) We have to educate ourselves on this and get better at this and and change. So we we can use this moment as a positive. We can use this moment to kind of recalibrate our lives and focus on different things and make shifts and changes that are important. The crisis produces endurance. Anybody ever heard what doesn't kill kill you makes you stronger? I think there's a song about that. That's gospel. The Bible says the testing of our faith produces endurance. We're South Floridians. We have a lot of endurance to crisis, don't we? I mean, if you look around Miami and you look around certain parts of our area, people are indifferent to this. They're like, this is nothing. Why? Because we deal with hurricanes every single year. Weeks of stress hurricanes in the hurricanes out there it's in the lower part of here we all know where it is on the line we know where miami is on the line we look at it we we can judge the model we can judge the model probably better than most meteorologists in miami we can all look at that and we're going nah, that ain't coming here Nah, it's not coming here we're so used to this and it's weeks of stress if you've ever been through a hurricane the news just keeps driving that cycle at you You got to prepare, you got to prepare, you got to prepare. It's endless that you'd think the world was ending every single year in South Florida, particularly Miami. We deal with this all the time. The world is ending every hurricane season life as we know it is about to explode every hurricane season. And so people in Miami have a higher level of endurance for crisis for better or worse. It's just because we've been conditioned. We've been through everything. We've been stressed out. In Miami, they're like, it's a Category 2. You need to run for the hills. Run for your lives. And most people in Miami are like, come on. Call me when it's a 4 and I'll think about it. Why? Because we've been through it so many times. We've been through it. We know what a Cat 2 does. We know what a Cat 3 does. We know what a Cat 4 does. And we definitely know what a Cat 5 does. What happened when Andrew came through here? It exposed weaknesses. Where? Weaknesses in our distribution channels, weaknesses in our home building, weaknesses all across the board. That crisis exposed weaknesses. We had homes down here that literally blew up, like exploded. Country Rock was like a box of toothpicks. Anybody remember that? When they flew over, it looked like somebody threw a bunch of toothpicks on the ground. Those homes just blew up. So what did that crisis do? It, It made the state of Florida, and in particular, Miami's emergency management is a model for the country. People that do emergency management, they model it off of Miami and the state of Florida because we're so used to it. We got really good. Why? Because the crisis exposed our weakness. Our homes are pretty well built now, aren't they? Right? Most people that have been through hurricanes, they're looking, they can look at the home and they're going, I'm not living here. Why? This is a great house because this isn't hurricane proof. We know. Because it exposed the weakness in our building codes. So our building codes are the strictest in the nation. So crisis does not necessarily reveal bad things. If we can use this for something good, our hospitals can be better than ever. We can be better equipped for this. This is going to be something good if we allow it. But if fear rules us and we make indecisions or if we're going to just let ourselves be ruled by hype and panic, that's no good for anybody. For anybody. We're used to cleared shelves, aren't we? right hurricane season you can't find water you can't ice forget about it man we all know the drill we all got our go bag <laughs> we know exactly the routine all right category four it's probably going to come up get money get gas stock up on food make sure you got a generator you have access to it make sure you got plenty of gas to get through for we, we know the drill but we didn't know the drill 30 years ago when andrew hit but we know the drill now it's amazing There'll be a cat three. It's always funny to me. There's a cat three and we're not sure. But as soon as we, we see and we're like, oh my gosh, it's a cat five. It's like we all just emerge and go forth. It's funny. So we're used to this. Crisis not just exposes weakness. Crisis use, summons us to wisdom. So a lot of people They don't know what to do in this hour. What am I going to do? 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 James, again, is an instruction. This first chapter of James is an instruction in this. If any of you lacks wisdom... To guide them through a decision or circumstances. Ask the Lord. You shouldn't be asking Dr. Phil. God bless Dr. Phil. You shouldn't be asking Oprah Winfrey or consulting the psychic hotline if you're a Christian. And you definitely shouldn't be asking the news media what you should do. You should be asking Jesus. And you should be asking the Lord to give you wisdom in this hour. To make the right decisions in the right times. In the right, for the right reasons. The Bible says he'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. You say, well I haven't asked God for anything in a long time. It doesn't matter. He says he won't rebuke you and he's not going to blame you. God's not a finger pointer. He's not going to blame you. He's actually going to be glad that you're actually calling on him. (laughs) Lord, give me wisdom in this hour. Lord, give me wisdom to make the decisions. Lord, give me wisdom as to what I'm to do. What's going on? Just ask for it. It's a simple request. And the Bible says he'll give it to you. But wisdom is not in the asking of why. Give why, why, why. God does not answer why questions in case you know that wisdom is not in asking why why is this happening to me why is this going on in the world wisdom is asking what what are you saying Lord what would you have me to do what are the areas of weakness in my life that you're exposing what would my next steps be to overcome that what would you have me to pray what would you have me to intercede upon what would you have me to do the what is the wisdom the why is never the wisdom So if you're a believer that likes to ask why questions and you wonder, why aren't my prayers answered? Because you're asking why questions. But I would push it beyond another level. We're spirit filled believers here at Elevate Miami Church. We believe in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe the promises of God are true. We activate that power. We activate those promises. And the next level of wisdom is revelation. All can get wisdom, but few can get revelation. Not because God's withholding it, but if you want to access it, you have to be wanting and willing to access it. You have to seek God for revelation. Wisdom is asked for and it's imparted, but revelation must be sought after. Revelation is something that's revealed to you. Revealed opportunities are coming. Hey, you want some good news? I got good news. There's lots of good news today. Opportunities are coming. This is, this is right now setting up to be the greatest transfer of wealth the world has ever known. Wealth is going to be transferred. It's currently being transferred, but you haven't seen anything yet. Wait till the recovery starts. Wealth will be transferred. Companies will fail. This is true. But other companies will rise, and that provides an opportunity. Positions will be lost, but other positions will be gained, and that provides an opportunity. Opportunity. Real estate will be affordable again for a season. Credit will be readily available again for a season if you're wise and revealed. Most of the people that made a ton of money, Rockefeller, Jack Onassis, Kennedy Onassis, Aristotle Onassis, started the shipping business out of a time of crisis. At the bottom, when the world was in a desperate economy, he bought freighters and tankers for pennies on the dollar and he built an empire out of it. Christians are so bound with fear. Oh my gosh, why don't you look for the opportunities that are coming? We quote these verses, the wealth of the wicked will be laid up for the just. How does that happen? I tell Elevate, this isn't a Reader's Digest thing. It's like when the wealth of the wicked, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. I mean, I was in the church in the 80s and we were saying that. We were praying that, we were declaring that. That's not just a prayer declaration. That's a truth. And wealth transfer is happening right now. Right now. Well, I don't like the way it's being transferred. It doesn't happen. It doesn't matter what you like. The issue is, are you positioning yourself? Massive opportunities. If you play the stock market, and I'm not, disclaimer, I'm not, pastor, say, well, pastor's not giving stock advice. So I'm not. I'm not giving stock advice. I'm simply pointing out to realities. Energy sector is going to bottom out. Airlines are going to bottom out. Disney's going to bottom out. All these hotel chains are going to bottom out. But they're not going to stay bottomed out forever. They're not. Wealth can be made after this hour. It's not about money, pastor. It's about human life. I get it. I get it. If it's about human life, and I would say this to all my Christian brothers and sisters. If this is about human life, then why aren't you preaching the gospel? Why aren't you witnessing to your neighbors and your friends? If it's really about human life, I'll die. We need to preach the gospel because salvation is everything. Unless a man is born again or a woman is born again, they cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Those that want to lecture and say, oh, it's about human life. It's not about prophets. I get that. I think it's about that neither. But at the same time, do you witness? You want to lecture everybody and tell them what it's about, but you don't witness. We need to remove the speck out of our eye or the plank out of our eye so that we can actually deal with the speck that we're accusing others of. This is, again, what's being exposed. These are the conversations that are going in among our churches. We want to lecture everyone. And so what's being exposed is our own narcissism and what's being exposed is our own weakness. And we have to be willing to confront, well, I don't like you, Kevin. Well, Jesus loves me. That's all that matters to me and my wife and my cat. And sometimes my kids like me. (laughs) But Jesus is always glad to see me. And that's all that matters. We're to speak truth, grace, and truth. Jesus is full of grace, but he's full of truth. It's not grace or truth. It's grace and truth. There's a wealth transfer. Come on. You've been running to buy that house, but you haven't been able to afford it. You're probably going to be able to afford it this year. (laughs) You haven't been able to qualify for a mortgage. You're going to be able to qualify this year. Banking restrictions are going to be let off. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm telling you, you can be in fear and you can be huddled and you cannot know what's going to happen. Or you can take advantage of the moment of time that you find yourself in. Sons of Issachar were discerners of the times and discerners of the seasons. Can we discern the time? Can we discern the seasons? Companies are going to shuffle their rosters. People are like, man, I always wanted to work for that company. Guess what? Good news. they are going to. I'm telling you now, companies are going to get rid of all of their dead weight, all of their nonproductive employees. They're going to use this as a nexus moment to shed that dead weight, and those positions will open up again, but they're going to be looking for a different hire. Just a thought. Are you positioning yourself... For that. The Lord's been dealing with me. Don't sleep in the time of harvest, Kevin. Do not sleep in the time of harvest. Great favor and great opportunities are afforded to the believer in this time and what's coming forth. Great time. So I don't believe that. What about other people? There's nothing fair about favor. We have got to get that. Most people can't see or hear anything because they're paralyzed by fear. And so they need this kind of word said to them. We have to speak it. We have to reveal it. Jesus loves you. He's for you even when you're against you. That's good news. We got to realize this. This is again James. Double mindedness cancels out the kingdom. You're either going to believe Jesus in his promises. Or you're going to believe what the culture says. You're going to believe it. You're either going to believe that God is good. That this time is going to pass. And that God is going to use this down cycle to create a tremendous up cycle. Or you're going to believe what the doomsayers are saying, that it's all over. The world is not going to end by a coronavirus, Christian. Know your Bible. The world is not ending because of uh, uh, environmental disaster. Not in the scripture. The world is not ending because of a virus. Not in your scripture. Why are you afraid? You should know these things. Jesus said, I've told you this so you would know. I told you this so you would understand. I told you this so you wouldn't be afraid. When we're double-minded, we cancel the power of the kingdom. The children of Israel could not enter the promised land. Joshua and Caleb were saying yes with the Lord, and all of the other people were saying no. And so the power of the kingdom was canceled for an entire generation. Because a whole swath of people, 10 of them said, we can't do it, we're afraid, we're grasshoppers, we can't face it. Joshua and Caleb said, we can because of Jesus. The Lord is with us. But because of that generation made a covenant, and they chose the way of the culture, the power of the kingdom was canceled for that generation. You have to make up your mind, whose report are you going to believe? What word are you going to stand on? (laughs) We stand on Jesus' word. Let me give you some, some practical tips. <laughs> My word to you, Christian, is rise to the level of your birth. Know who you are. Stop playing gospel and start being gospel. Stop being a Christian and stop living the lifestyle of a kingdom believer. That's the challenge. Read your Bible. There's a word. I'm locked in my house. I don't know what to do. Read your Bible. (laughs) Put the audio Bible on. Just listen to it. Worship. That's another one. Five hours on the news, and we can't open the Bible for five minutes. The news has nothing good to say, guys, in this hour. Worship. How? In the Spirit. Some of you in this time, this is a great time. Worship. Practice the presence of God. Bathe yourself, submerge yourself, engage yourself in spiritual worship. Worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. That's who we are. We worship in spirit and truth. We pray. I don't know how to pray. Ephesians says all kinds of prayers. Right? Put on the armor of God. And it tells us after we put on the armor of God, it tells us to pray. Well, how do we pray? It says all kinds of prayers. Faith prayers. Tongue talking prayers declarative prayers, intercessory prayers, petitioning prayers, all kinds of prayers. There's a lot of charismatic believers, there's a lot of born-again Christians who speak in tongues, and you haven't spoken in tongues in 15 years. I challenge you, light the kiln, light the furnace, light the fire. You don't have to run down the street praying in tongues, but get alone before the Lord and begin to pray in tongues. The Bible says when you pray in tongues, you pray the perfect will of God. You want to pray the perfect will of God? Intercede in tongues. You say, I don't know what I'm saying, but Jesus does. Jesus knows exactly what you're saying. He's not afraid. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, each one of us has received a gift. You know what that gift is? Whatever Jesus has given to us, in this time we're supposed to be ministers of it. Whatever the Lord has given you, if it's compassion, minister compassion. If it's prayer, minister prayer. If it's faith, minister faith. If it's hope, minister hope it's scripture, love, kindness, compassion, whatever the gift is, if it's healing, minister healing. If it's prophetic, begin to decree, minister it, whatever you have, minister it now as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know what that tells us? Manifold grace of God. Grace is spiritual power moving in love. That's what grace is. The power of God, the spirit of God moving in love. That's the essence of grace. And the Bible says we are stewards of. Of the multidimensional grace of God. Which means if we're stewards, we have a responsibility. Right? Stewards in the Bible. Jesus is pretty clear that when he gives something to stewards, he expects them to produce something with it. If you don't know that, you should look at the parable of the talents. (laughs) He entrusted it to the stewards. He entrusted it to the servants. And he told them, do something with what I've given. We're supposed to do something with what we're entrusted with. We're stewards of the multidimensional grace of God, which means there's no one way to minister. As long as it's rooted and flowing in love, there's no one way to minister your gift. Just do it out of love. It's multidimensional. Same spirit, different manifestations. It's time to minister. It's not time to pout. (laughs) We got a few people here. Let's just say it together. It's time to minister. It's not time to pout. It's not time to pout. Be a blessing to your neighbor. Reach out to people that are around you. Have a message of hope. Look at Jim, your neighbor, and say, Oh, this coronavirus, what do you think of it, man? Do you go, Jim, do you know Jesus? Are you born again, Jim? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Is it about human life? Isn't that the, Those are the same type of people that lecture and want to tell everybody it's about human life, yet they don't witness their, they don't witness their faith at all. Witness your faith in this hour, Christian. Every tragedy, every transition, every, everything that, those things are, are beachheads for the gospel. People don't listen to Jesus when they're riding high. They listen and look for Jesus, or they look for hope when they're riding low. And this is a great opportunity for the kingdom. And we should believe God for an anointing for a harvest that is yet to come. I believe God is setting up the deck. He's setting it up. The question isn't whether or not God is setting up the harvest. The question is, is will the workers respond? The harvest is white. The workers are few. Share your faith. What if they reject me? Who cares? Count it all joy. (laughs) When you're persecuted for my sake or rejected for my sake, for such we're all before you. The prophets, everyone before you. If we think the culture is going to love us, we've got the wrong attitude. It's not that we're against the culture. It's that we're of another world. We flow from another angle. We flow from another stream. Our river is a lot greater. Minister. It's time to minister. Say this with me. There's power power. for my problems. There's power for your problems. Where's the power? The power is in the spirit. All things that pertain to life and godliness are in the heavenly places. That's the spirit in Christ Jesus. Your inheritance is in the spirit in Christ. You must seek Christ in the spirit and access your inheritance I don't know how to do that why don't you ask him why don't you go into the spirit why don't you begin to commune with him and say Lord how do I draw from my inheritance how do I do this you have to change the way that you think the devil wants to destroy you there's power for the hour Christian there's a, there's a, there's a twitter <laughs> there's a tweet there's power for the hour <laughs> the power is in the Holy Spirit He's got a word for you. He's got provision for you. He's got a power for your problem. You have to learn to hear him and do what he tells you. If he says, wait, wait. If he says, go, go. If he says, do, do. If he says, get rid of this and do that, then get rid of this and do that. Some people are going to lose their job during this time. You need to go, thank you, Jesus. Because you've just been set free to minister. Some of you have callings on your life and you're too entrapped and in with the cares of this world. And it chokes out the word. The word can't produce because it's ensnared with the it cares of this life. Why don't you go into the spirit and say, Lord, what do I do? I just lost my job. And he says to you, rejoice. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've been trying to get your attention for a long time. <laughs> IBM's had your attention for too long. Now you've, now I've got your attention. Wonderful. Others of you have different things. You, you're, you're called to greater things. You're called to positions of influence. Positions of influence within companies are going to open up. They are. They're going to cut, but then they're going to grow and they're going to rehire just the way it's going to work. You need to position yourself. I used to do investing for a long time. And I had a banker one time tell me, Kevin, there's no such thing as luck. It's being ready. The question isn't an issue of luck. Oh, that guy got lucky. That guy didn't get lucky. He was ready. Opportunities will present themselves. The question is, are you ready? Are you looking for an opportunity? And are you ready for that opportunity when it will present itself? This is a season of opportunity, Christian. 2020. Why is this happening in 2020? So that we can all get our vision right. I believe God is shaking the vision of the church. I believe God is shaking the perspective of the church. And I believe he's using this to calibrate our 2020 vision so that we would begin to see things correctly. And stop looking at the earth and stop looking at the things that are around us become the people that we truly are the devil wants to destroy you in this hour but jesus wants to develop you that's the question what are you going to partner with are you going to partner and say oh we're going to be destroyed or are you going to partner and say, let the lord is developing me now this is going to transform my life this thing is changing my perspective this chain thing is changing my my attitude this thing is causing me to evaluate my life in a way that i have never evaluated it before this thing is shaking my perspective, and I am going to see with 2020 vision from here forward. Or are you going to be those who say, oh, we're going, to, we're going down. We're not coming back. Who told you that? Who told you that? <laughs> I'm going to give you another verse. These are verses I've lived by. I've been through a lot of difficulties in my life. Adversity isn't something new. It's common. That's why Peter says it's common. There have been 30 national and international crises in the last 20 years. This is only one of the 30 that have happened in the last 20 years. There's going to be more. We have to get our heads right on this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. It says, our light affliction. At the end of the day, this is nothing more than a light affliction. It's a light affliction. And it it's but for a moment. This light affliction which is only going to happen for a moment it's going to end this is going to end we're 18 days into this as a nation this is going to end sooner than later good news this light affliction i get a hallelujah now on and i get to hit does woo <laughs> if you're at home just give a you know let raise a hallelujah Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us an exceeding and eternal weight of glory. God is doing something in the hour if you'll let him. He's building your character so that he can put weight on your life. The character in the trial is to challenge you. Glory is weight. When God wants to put his glory on you, he he, he, he sanctified in, in order to glorify God calls us to sanctify us. That is to set us apart, Romans says. And when he sets us apart, his intention is to put glory on our lives. Wait, most Christians can't handle glory. Their life and their character is not built in such a way that the Lord could put glory on it. And every time he puts glory on it, their life falls apart. Why? Because when they're tested in the trial, God says, what will their response be? Can I put glory there? Boom, they pass out. And it's like, okay, I can't do that now. And you keep saying, Lord, glorify my life. Lord, I want your glory. Lord, I want the weight. I want substance from my life. But you faint every time something bad happens. You're running for the hills. You can't stand. You need to deal with your, your character. And you need to deal with the issues that are causing you to be fearful. God's intention is to glorify you. This is what Paul's telling this church. You're going through it. You're going through some difficult times, but this is only going to be for a moment. And if you'll have the right perspective and you'll have the right attitude, this is going to work out something good. If you'll let it, you're going to emerge from this thing. If you go through this thing in faith, you're going to emerge from this thing stronger than you've ever been. And you're going to be more capable of receiving another weight of glory. God wants to promote you in this season. He wants to pass you through this time. He wants you to come out of this season and be stronger. And he's going to put another level of glory on your life. You say, I don't even have level one of glory. Good news. This is your chance. Glory is the weight and the substance. Your life is created to have meaning. Your life is created to have purpose. Most Christians cannot carry the weight of their own purpose. Because their character cannot sustain it. God uses trials to build the character of his people in order to put greater weights of glory on them. He doesn't create the trials, but he uses them. Trials are going to come. Trials are inevitable. Jesus is just looking at it going, Pfft. all right, well, what am I going to do with this? Well, let's, juice it. Let's, use it. let's use it for something useful. That's what the Lord does. He does everything and uses it for something useful. And he wants to do that for you now. Your light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for you a more exceeding weight of eternal glory. When God glorifies you and you pass through this trial, he's going to put weight on your life that won't go away. It's eternal. It's eternal. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. He doesn't change his mind. So when you go through this and the weight of your life or the the structure of your life is fortified through this trial, you've stood, you've not been a coward, you've not been a chicken, you've demonstrated. It's not faith before people, guys. It's faith before the Lord. We're not demonstrating faith to one another. How vain. It's faith before our God. Jesus said, will I find what on the earth when I come? Will I find faith? If Jesus were to come right now, where would he find you? Where would he find you? On a day he's commanded you to assemble. And if you're sick or you've got issues, I'm not talking to you. Where would he find you? Will he find faith on the earth when he comes? We have to go, where's my people? Where are they? Well, some of them ran here, and some of them ran there, and some of them are in cabins, and, you know, they're end-timing it out, Lord. They're hunkering down with gas in the ground, and, you know, they're, they're, living, they're living in isolation. Is that what he told you to do? There's nowhere in your Bible where it tells the Christian to live in isolation. Nowhere. Shelter, my people. Somebody quotes me Isaiah 26, yeah? I also read, let the bride come forth from her chamber. So you can be sheltering, but the bride, this bride of Christ is going to come forth from her chamber. We're going to shine light in the hour and not darkness. We're not going to hide. We're not going to cower. We're going to be who we are and what we are. And we will not forfeit our rights at all. That being said, <laughs> if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and you don't know that you're saved, the coronavirus is the least of your problems. This is going to pass. This is for now, but eternity is forever. If you've never given your life to Jesus, this is your time. Ephesians says this, that without Christ, you're aliens to the commonwealth of the kingdom. You don't understand even what the kingdom is. You don't understand what your rights are, your inheritances are, because you're a stranger to it. You're a stranger to covenants and promises. God has great and precious promises, but those promises are for His people. And if you don't know Jesus... You say, We're all God's children. No, we're all God's creation. To those who received Christ are given the right to be children of God. Sons and daughters are defined only by those whose faith is in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you're not God's child. You're God's creation. Big difference. Huge difference. The bread is for the children. The covenants are for the children. The promises are for the children. The Bible says that you're a stranger to those covenants and promises, but you don't have to be. The Bible says that you have no hope in the world. There's no hope, Christian. There's no hope for the Christian, but there's no hope for the non-believer. Without Jesus, there is no hope. There's none. But in Christ, even though now without Jesus, you're far off. If you come to Jesus, the Bible clearly tells you, you can be brought near. And so we're going to close this service with a prayer. The Bible simply says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and he's risen from the dead, you'll be saved. Saved. Saved from what? Saved from yourself, namely, your sin nature. You're your biggest enemy you have. You're going to be saved from yourself. You're going to be saved from the condemnation of sin. Saved from eternal condemnation. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. Without Christ, you're lost. You have no hope. Gandhi can't save you. Buddha can't save you. Allah can't save you. Krishna can't save you. L. Ron Hubbard can't save you. Federal governments can't save you. Your PhD, MBA, whatever it is, ABC, can't save you. That's a good thing to have, but it isn't going to save you. You say, I don't believe in God. Well, get up on the top of a building and jump and say, I don't believe in gravity and see what happens. Gravity exists whether we believe in it or not. God exists whether we believe in him or not. The Bible clearly teaches us that God not only exists, but he can be known. And he's known in the personhood of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. He didn't say, I'm a way. He said, I'm the only way. And you must be born again. You must believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And so we're going to do a prayer. You say, I don't understand it. There has nothing to do with understanding it. He says, absolutely nothing to do. You can believe and not understand. We get in airplanes and we fly. We don't understand how it works, but we believe it's going to happen. If you didn't believe it was going to happen, you wouldn't get on that plane. We get in cars and we drive them. We don't understand how they work. Yet we'd get in that car expecting it to work. You can believe a lot of things without understanding it. So our prayer is based on belief and not upon understanding. So we're going to pray. We have our social distancing service going on here. <laughs> so we're all properly spaced. The room is set up in social distancing mode. But those that are here with me are going to pray with you. And all you got to do is pray with us. Just Pray. You say, I don't know, I'm in a living room, where I'm watching people, I don't know, I don't know, just do it anyway. The Bible says, come out from among them and be separate. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. But if you deny me before men, you I will deny before my Father. There's no such thing as a closet Christian. You have to come out and be numbered. You have to publicly proclaim your faith. It's the way it is. Why would you live for the opinions of another when there's one so much greater who loves you and is calling you to himself? How could you refreeze such an offer? It costs you nothing, but it costs him everything. And so we're going to pray. Let's pray together. Say it out loud. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior, and I need a Savior. I may not understand this, but I choose to believe it. So I open my heart to you, Jesus, and I ask you to come inside. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to restore me, and I ask you to repurpose my life. And here's the exchange. All that I am, I give to you. All that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to follow you in Jesus' name. You say, that's it? No, that's the start of it. Amen. Let me bless you guys. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way. And may the Lord give you peace. May you forever live within his favor. In Jesus name. Amen. God loves you. Elevate loves you. Have a safe, wonderful, healthy, enlightening, vision changing week. In Jesus name.